Welcome to Game Changers Live from Miami, Florida. My name is Sergio Tijera. I'm your host. And each and every week, we bring you someone who has been a game changer in their field and who's touched the lives of thousands to get their perspective on their journey, their mindset, their struggles and successes so that we can inspire you on your journey. So let's get started right now. And welcome to Game Changers Live. You can catch us each and every week on your favorite podcast channel, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, also YouTube. Be sure to subscribe and like there and share this episode and all episodes with somebody who needs to hear it. Your support counts tremendously. And we're happy to say that Game Changers is now ranked globally as a top 2% podcast thanks to your support. Wow. And each and every week we bring you people who have been game changers. And so you may recognize the familiar face on the screen here next to me. If you're in South Florida, it's Mr. Calvin Hughes. Welcome, Calvin. Hi. Hi. How are you? Thanks for having me. So Calvin is a five-time Emmy Award-winning newscaster on WPLG Local 10, and he's at, at 4, 5, 6, and 11 p.m. newscast. For 16 years, he has informed viewers about the major stories in South Florida, including around-the-clock coverage of the COVID-19 pandemic, the 2021 Surfside condo collapse, the worst high school shooting in American history in Parkland, Florida, which we all remember, the devastation of Hurricane Irma in 2017, and his world-exclusive interview with the First Lady of Haiti weeks after being shot during the assassination of her husband. He spent days in Havana, Cuba, reporting live on the last two popes to visit Cuba, including Pope Francis's historic trip to three cities in Cuba and President Obama's historic visit, and was also the first American journalist to broadcast live from the grounds of the new American embassy in Havana several hours before the official flag-raising ceremony and opening. In November of the following year, he led members of the Local 10 News team across Cuba for 11 days to report on the death of former Cuban leader Fidel Castro. Welcome, my friend. What Quite quite the resume. Thank you. Thank you. You did not have to read all that. Thank you very much. Well, it's important to, to capture all that because some something that we just talked about prior to, to coming on is that all too often, a lot of my guests that we have on who have been very successful are seen as, you know, in, in the day, right? In the current day, but we don't always get to see what it was like growing up and what it was like getting to this point, which is, you know, the rest of the iceberg. We're looking at the tip of it. Tell me a little bit about what it was like for you growing up. You were born in Cleveland, if that if that's correct. What is it about this space, this news anchor and, and news space that captured your your attention? Well, I mean, honestly, I, I never dreamed that I would ever be a news anchor, first of all, in Miami, but I never dreamed that I would be a news <laughs> anchor. Uh, I really wanted, a, you know, I mean, if I had my way, um, I would have grown about five or six more inches and I would have been in the NBA. Uh, that was, that was <laughs> you grew my, up next to LeBron, right? Exactly. He came to Miami, you my, came as well. So yes, <laughs> that was my first, uh, that was my first, this is, you know, I mean, obviously back in the seventies and eighties, um, I was born in 71. So uh, that was my dream, uh, especially in the 80s. I wanted, you know, to be like uh, Isaiah Thomas and all those guys. So I thought that was going to be my passport out of the condition that we were in. Um, but let me take you back to Cleveland. Like I said, I was born in 71. Uh, Mom and dad were together. Uh, and then they were, uh, they split in 81. So we moved back to my grandmother's home in East St. Louis, Illinois, very mm. tough city. Yeah, very, very tough city. And um, 
we had no place to go. Uh, so we ended up moving in with my grandmother. And um, when we moved in with her, uh, we basically had to start over again. And so that was extremely tough on my mom. Um, I have four siblings. So it was all, it was tough on all of us. Mm -hmm. um, and so, uh, you know, when you pick up and move and you have to make new friends and you got to go into a new school and everything else, uh, I mean, you know, that can be pretty traumatic for uh, any adult, but for an 11 year old, it was especially tough. But uh, the great transition for us was being able to spend more time with our cousins who we would only see during the summertime. So that helped us make that uh, transition much more smoothly. And uh, I just thought it was just a lot of fun just to be able to hang with them a lot longer than what I would normally be able to do for days or just one week when they would come and spend their summer vacation with us. So um, so anyway, uh, when I got to Illinois, um, you know, my plans changed. I really wanted to use basketball as a way to sort of be my passport out of the condition that we were in. But so like, how tall are you and at what position did you play? <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, six feet on a good day. <laughs> That's better than me on any day. So uh, you got me beat there. But uh, but yeah, um, uh, but I was I was pretty good. I mean, I, I played as I look back on it. Um, it was sort of I mean, that was my refuge, just going to a basketball court and just playing for hours every single day. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I mean, obviously I was trying to reach a goal, but for me, it was a way to escape where we were living and mm -hmm. very cramped quarters. Uh, so anyway, uh, when I got to high school, um, the newspaper was defunct. So my English teacher decided one day that she was going to, uh, you know, restart this newspaper and uh and resurrected with a group of students that she thought were good enough to be writers and editors she asked me if i would do it and i said yeah and that was the start of my journey into journalism and um uh even though i played uh high school ball i was a freshman on the varsity team i you know like i said i was pretty good things didn't work out like I wanted them to and as quickly as I wanted them to. And I remember my journalism teacher, my English teacher saying, look, you write pretty well. You should try to get into the University of Missouri School of Journalism, one of the oldest and one of the best journalism schools in the country, in the world, for that matter, mm. right in our own backyard. So I said, only two hours away. So I said, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I did it. And uh, I applied and I got in. And I remember going there and uh, working for what was my um, college work study. You know, you do that when you're on financial aid uh, <laughs> so, uh, and Pell Grants and all that. There was a woman who said, look, you have a pretty good voice. Why don't you try, uh, you know, I know how much you love print, but why don't you try broadcasting? And I thought, you know, um, I'm not really great at speaking in front of people, so but I'll give it a shot. And I reassigned, you know, I asked to be reassigned to the broadcast division. And sure enough, man, um, I got into the broadcast division and started working there and fell in love with it. And that that pretty much sealed the deal for me. That's what was it about reporting that you'd love so, so much? 
Uh, you know, I love telling stories. I love meeting people. I love, um, I love the writing process. I love the news gathering process. But I think what, what got me the most is that, um, and what I most fell in love with was being able to, uh, uh, to meet people who I never would meet uh, living in the neighborhood that I was in, mm-hmm. being able to understand that, you know, we all sort of live in our own world, but I don't think people understand that when you start talking to other people, you realize very quickly, your world is very small. Mm-hmm. You start meeting folks who have, you know, come from different cultures, raised very differently than you, come from socioeconomic backgrounds that are very different from how you were raised and can't even understand some things that you have gone through as a kid. Um, you understand that, you know, uh, we live in a very diverse world. And to me, I always, I, I just find that most fascinating. I mean, I, I, I just love telling other people's stories. So yeah. being able to meet other people in all walks of life, uh, that was the big attraction. There's there's so much truth to that because I I I, ha- I exactly feel the same way when I when I interview individuals that are you know on the show because you only know a slither of, oh. of what they've been able to show you and oftentimes it's what you see on social media. Yes. Right. And that is just I mean such a small piece and oftentimes what's projected on social media we know that is not always the truth, not, not even close no, usually, not even close. but there is like, uh, to your point, there's something incredible about just realizing and coming to terms with the fact that what you perceive as your world is only one of billions of perceptions of worlds that until you get into their shoes, you don't see that. And you have to talk with them and communicate with them and, and put yourself in their shoes. Well, and, and I think, you know, if we did that more, we could actually uh, get along better. Right. Uh, you know, everybody in the world would get along a lot better. But no one is willing to walk a mile or even a few steps in somebody else's shoes, um, which is really sad. But but yeah, I mean, when you start venturing outside, you know, the boundaries, your social circle, uh, the boundaries of your neighborhood, um, the boundaries of your professional circles, you start realizing that you know you have it pretty good yeah uh, you know you have it i mean compared to some other people i just don't believe in telling stories of people who um are super successful sure i mean that I, I mean those stories are i don't want to say easy to tell but sometimes they sort of tell themselves mm-hmm. i like to tell stories about people who are surviving and thriving in spite of correct and, yeah <laughs> in spite of conditions that we couldn't even imagine, in spite of their physical disabilities, in spite of their intellectual setbacks, whatever it it may be, I love telling those stories because those stories really inspire and those stories really are about the human spirit, Mm -hmm. which cannot be stopped, which cannot be stopped. Yeah, and the human spirit is so powerful. And when you when you tell those stories, it puts everything in perspective for you. A lot of times, 
you know, when things happen, let's say obviously something as big as the pandemic, as everyone can relate, sure. it puts things in perspective and, and people start to realize, all right, am I doing what I, what I want in my life? You know, we're here at a finite time. Am I appreciating what I have, my health, my, yes. my time, my family? Unfortunately, it takes some things like that to put things in perspective, but you're able to use these moments and, and these stories to constantly remind yourself about kind of how fortunate you are, right? Well, and and also, you know, I think the pandemic taught us that everything can change like that. Mm -hmm. And so um, as a result, people, I think it was an awakening for them. Uh, it was a way for them to kind of look around and go, you know what? I'm acting as if I have a lot of time and I don't. Yeah. I'm acting as if I can spend my time and waste my time when I really can't. And so as a result, people sort of had this awakening to say, you know what, if I want to go to this particular country, if I want to check this off my bucket list, uh, if I want to meet this person, I should do it. And, and if I want to end some sort of argument that's been going on for a long time or some sort of disagreement, now is the time to settle our differences. Mm -hmm. But it seems, um, you know, um, that, I mean, obviously, you know, some people sort of went the other way on that as well. Some of the stories right. that we do, I'm wondering what did people lose their mind uh, after the pandemic as well. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, but the pandemic has has and taught us a lot. But you know something, Sergio, I I just think that um, you know we just don't have enough time on our newscast to tell all of the stories, the good stories that have happened. People, unfortunately, they are attracted to negative news, which is why we begin our newscast telling you something bad. Yeah. You know, you know, I would love to be able to begin our to, to begin our newscast talking about the good things in our community because we were a part of, which is where you and I met, right. were a part of a great event where folks from all different cultures came together to you know to to pray together, to laugh together, to fellowship. But those stories unfortunately don't sell at four, five, six, and eleven o'clock. But then it becomes almost like uh, like an addiction, right? Because we know that human just our our, our wiring attracts us to negative things right and you know yeah, the, yeah. the train wrecks and so forth it, it's just natural so news stations not only you know uh, any news station right tends to tends to always put you know the, the negative shocking breaking news yeah. first just to kind of grab your attention at what point will that get to i mean <laughs> well, when does it end you know yeah i i understand what you're saying and studies have been done to try to see if people would be attracted to good news that happens out there. They are not. It's incredible. Yeah, they are not. I mean, um, you know, there's a famous saying by Mark Twain that a lie can travel halfway around the world before the truth can put its shoes on. So mm. it's so true that people will be more attracted to a lie. It will keep going on and on and on and on and on. And it's tough for when the truth actually does catch up that people sort of question the truth and they don't question the lie. And and it's the same thing with what's happening today. Fake news, false news, negative news, whatever it is, you can put any kind of label on it. It'll travel farther, faster and deeper than, you know, anything positive, uh, especially on social media, uh, which, you know, you and I both know all it takes is for you to hit the share button uh, and then everybody, you know, is uh is repeating it even though it isn't true everybody will repeat it 
So there's a concept that I that I love called the minimum effective dose. And so when it comes to news, which is predominantly negative, what I try to do is, is get that minimum effective dose of the content that I'm looking for that I need and not more of it, because it, it could be, it could be toxic. You know, it, yes. it, if we just get all consumed as, as in anything, uh, to any extreme. Right? Yeah, I, yeah. I was just reading earlier too, that, you know, when you get older, one of the lessons that you really sort of drill down on is um, you are really concerned about your diet. And I'm not talking about food, but your daily diet of information that you consume. Mm -hmm. And you want to certainly limit the amount of negative news that you're consuming or the amount of negative information that you're consuming. So you are correct. Um, it, it is it is good to keep it at a minimum but be able to extract whatever you need. And my personal opinion is most people in South Florida really, they are watching the news, but they really watch the news for the, for the forecast, for the weather forecast. Mm. Um, <laughs> that seems and, to be the most important thing <laughs> on people's mind. Is South Florida. Can yeah. I go out on the boat? Can yeah, I go to the beach? Exactly. And the closer we get to hurricane season and the rainy season and all that, I mean, you know, folks are, trying to say, can I do this event outside? Can I not mm. should I wear this? Should I not wear that? You know, because, uh, you know, the Miami concept is if it ain't tight, it ain't right. So, you yeah. know, you, it, has, <laughs> <laughs> so it has to be tight and it has to be right. So they want to know what kind of outfit they're wearing. I love that. I love that. <laughs> so what I'm, I'm curious then, what part of any news segment is the highest ranking in general like you know not not counting events is it sports weather local news national news like what is it that typically always beats every every other section out so i mean it all depends <clears throat> um i i don't think there's a one size fits all answer to that i think uh but if you were to say universally uh the weather i mean in any market i don't care where you are <laughs> uh you know it is the weather that is the most important element of our of our newscast, which is why we save it until the very end. Oh, there you go. <laughs> or, yeah. or we get you through the first. You got to tease them. You got to tease them. Hang on. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> exactly. We don't give you the whole, the whole weather forecast, seven day forecast at the very beginning of our, of our news. We give it to you at around 1115. Oh, so, you interesting. Know, for enough time. Exactly. So <laughs> that is typically the most important. So, I mean, I, I would say probably in New York, sports is the most important element. Right. Because you have so many teams, you know, between the Knicks, uh, you know, <clears throat> the Mets, you know, the Jets, the Mets, the Yankees. So, you know, you have so much going right. on. Not to mention hockey and everything else that goes on. So, so then how let's go back to your, your career then. How did you how did you end up coming over to Miami? How did you get that opportunity? So it, it, interesting enough, I was I was in Philadelphia, and um, I had a snowstorm, and you got the call about coming down to South Beach. <laughs> I did <laughs> that too, and, but I had an agent uh, at the time. The agency was William Morris, and um, they asked me if I would be interested because there was a news anchor who had been here for thirty something years, Dwight Lauderdale. Yeah, of course, the legend. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so he was um, going to retire. He had announced that he was going to leave in 2008. 
And um, this was 2005 when I got this phone call. And so they were very interested. And at that time, I was in Philadelphia as an anchor and as a reporter because I wanted to get more stories on my newsreel so that I could send it to ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, and all those guys, CNN. I'd actually had interviews with CNN. I was waiting on them. I was waiting on ABC, and I was waiting on CBS. And I got this phone call. And um, and so when, when, they, when they gave me the call, I said, look, I have no desire to stay in local news. I want to go to the national level, and I'm good. They said, look, just go, get an offer, and then we can leverage that against the networks. <laughs> I said, I, I'm telling you right now, I don't want to go. So I came here kicking and screaming, and I remember it being, a, there was a really bad winter storm going on in Philadelphia. When I came here, they put me up in the Lowe's Hotel, overlooking it, you know how that the goes. beach, yeah, 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 and overlooking the water and the beach, and I was blown away. It was not really even an interview; it was more of a conversation we had. I did the audition. My old co-anchor Lori, who was on maternity leave at the time, she came in and did the audition with me, and we just completely hit it off. Uh, and at you know, I didn't hear back from ABC, CBS, and my agent said. Look, Channel 10 is giving us a deadline. The networks aren't responding. What do you want to do? Uh, I said, look, we can go to Miami for a couple of years. And yeah. <laughs> I could struggle there for a little bit, you know, and suffer a little bit in the sunshine. 16 <laughs> years later, here I am. So, yeah. <laughs> so, we were talking about we were talking about time, right? What is it that you value the most as, you know, as we, as we get older, you know, obviously our perspective changes, we've been through a lot more. What is it that you value the most these days? Oh, absolutely. My time. And I have to be, I love peace as well. Mm. No, no stress, brother. I, one thing about your time is I have such a limited amount of it. That so uh, I have from the time I wake up. So if I choose to wake up at nine o'clock, seven o'clock, whatever time I have, I have roughly about four or five hours before going into work. Then I'm on the air. When I walk in the station, anything can happen. So when I walk in at two thirty, three o'clock, whatever time I decide to go, I'm on the air at four. I have a dinner break between six thirty and 9 or 9.30. I have that amount mm -hmm. to do whatever I want to do. And then I'm back in the studio at 11 o'clock. And then I'm home at, you know, last night, I didn't get home until after 1 o'clock because I was at my desk working on some things that I didn't get a chance to work on earlier in the day. I also teach at the University of Miami. Monday, mm -hmm. Wednesdays, and Fridays, I teach a journalism course. So my time is so limited that the last thing I'm going to do is spend my time doing something that I don't want to do. And the clock is my biggest enemy every single day. I'm yeah, always yeah. looking, what time is, oh man, I have this much time to do this. Oh man, what about this? What about that? And then when I MC events on the weekends, not to mention I have my kids, but my 16 to 14 year old, um, they are completely into basketball. So I'm doing mm -hmm. and, and everything else. And my daughter is into gymnastics 
So, you know, that could take me to Wesley Chapel, Tampa, Orlando. It doesn't matter. So, you know, when I actually have a Saturday or Sunday uh, to do nothing, I really will do nothing. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, you know, uh, you know, my, my time and just being around people who are productive and peaceful. Those are my those are my big things. There is a tremendous value in what you said in in terms of valuing time, but also moreover in being around people who are peaceful that have good energy. Mm-hmm. It makes a huge difference in the quality of your life. Oh my gosh! Oh, Sergio, it is everything. I mean, you know, you are the average of the five the people you spend time with, right? Now. Yes, sir. You are the average of that. And if you're around people who are doing unproductive, undisciplined, untethered, um, whatever you want to call it, things, you will be that. But if you're around people who are about being the most productive, living up to their full potential, you will be that too. I believe it. I'm I'm living proof. Yeah. Have you ever had to stop and and reflect on that and say okay i need to cut ties with someone oh absolutely oh yeah oh yeah i I, so the the worst thing i i believe about uh moving around and when you're aspirational as a journalist you know you have a nomadic lifestyle so you're going so after college i went from columbia missouri evansville indiana lexington kentucky I got an agent, crazy story how that happened, how I got my first agent. But from Kentucky, from Kentucky, I went to Texas, Dallas, Texas. From Dallas, I went uh, to Atlanta, Georgia. From Atlanta, I went to Philly. And from Philly, I came to Miami. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So along the way, anybody who tells you that they're striving for greatness, I my only desire was to be... Um, a mix between Dan Rather, Peter Jennings, and Bernard Shaw. I wanted to be all those guys in one. And nice. I, I'm telling you, I wrote this down. I wanted to be Peter Jennings, one of the smoothest anchors ever to right. to, to, to don a mic. Um, uh, Bernard Shaw, one of the most disciplined um, anchors you ever want to meet. One of my mentors to this day, as a matter of fact. Um, and Dan Rather, he was... He was a reporter who happened to be an anchor. He loved going out in the field and really talking with people, getting their stories. Even though he was the face of CBS, he truly enjoyed going out and telling stories. And, uh, you know, like Dan, I truly enjoy whether it's Haiti, Cuba, uh, you know, Panama. I mean, I, I, the Bahamas. I've gone to so many different places and here locally. I just enjoy telling stories and it keeps you fresh as an anchor because if you're not out in the field talking to people and writing stories, getting out there, grinding it out, then you don't appreciate both sides. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, you don't, you don't appreciate the process and you don't appreciate the end result. You're just getting the end result when I'm in the studio. So I enjoy being out there and grinding it out. I mean, look, going to Haiti is not easy on, yeah. Even on their best day, going to right. covering a disaster. I've been there. It's 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 rough, and after the earthquake or something, you know, an assassination, that's got to be even even sure. tougher. 
Sure. I mean, I was with uh, Jovenel Moise two months before. I was there during the pandemic. And uh, I reported on how the country um, did not you did not want vaccines. And uh, and I was with him two months before he was shot to death. Oh, uh, gosh. Yeah, man. Yeah. And uh, and he and he talked about how he feared for his life. But um, but look, I mean, I, I just enjoy all of that. But my whole point in saying all of that is, is that you, you have to um, be a part of the process. You have to be connected. Uh, if you're disconnected in any kind of way, uh, it'll show. You know, uh, there's a great saying that the camera never blinks. And it's so true. Mm. That, you know, they can, you know, uh, insincerity is, your, is one of your biggest enemies when you're in front of a camera. You want people to know that you're sincere, uh, that you mean what you say and you say what you mean. And you want people to know that I feel the material. You know, mm -hmm. look, there, there are there are so many factors that are going on when you're on camera. My opinion is the one thing that is um, timeless that um, everybody can relate to, and that's emotion, which is why I think Oprah was so great. And, and I think she's the best to ever do it. But Oprah is great because she could be talking with you. She's feeling what you're saying. And if it's an emotional moment, she's there with the newsmaker. She starts crying or her voice is a reflection mm -hmm. of what of what she's feeling. And so, you know, same thing with me. I, I want people to know that I'm feeling the material that I'm saying. And it's not just information. It's not just words on a teleprompter. And the best way to do that is by going out in the field and being out in the community, which is why I do the community service events. And I also go out in the field and report. And that's a great story and, and lesson for, for anybody and everybody, not just in the newscast industry, but in whatever it is that you're doing, yeah. sometimes we can get complacent, yeah. especially as we move up in the rankings and so forth. And rolling up your sleeves and getting at it, you know, is a very good thing. Oh, I, look, anytime and and you as a business person, you as a speaker, you know that it's easy to take moments for granted when you've done it. Uh, who was that Malcolm Gladwell who said you become an expert after you do it 10,000 times, right? So after you've done something 10,000 times, you know, it is nothing for me to go on a newscast and not even think about, am I going to mess up? I, right. It's so natural thought that goes through my head. Um, so, uh, but one way not to take it for granted is by going back to the fundamentals. And, and even, and, and this is where my basketball background has helped me all throughout my professional life. It is, you understand that, you know, players, if it's a baseball player, a basketball player, football player, you go into a slump and, and, you know, for a baseball player to go into a slump, it's almost a very natural thing for them to do. I mean, they, right. be, you know, batting 500 and all of a sudden it becomes a mental thing where mm -hmm. they, they just cannot hit the baseball. And uh, if it's after an injury or whatever the case may be, but they cannot hit a baseball and it's all mental. Same thing with uh, with us professionally. You know, it's it's nothing for me to feel like man, I'm not performing at the level that I know I can perform. What can I do? You know what? Go back to the fundamentals. And it works every time.
Calvin, man, you are a game changer in our community, my brother. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, guys, if you enjoyed this episode, please share this. This was chock full of amazing nuggets. I gotta, I gotta slice and dice, you know, these little clips out and and put it out there because there was so much good information here. Thank you so much uh, for being on. Thanks for being a game changer, not only in our community, but with all the organizations that you serve in a, in a powerful way. And be a game changer in somebody else's life today. Any parting words? You know, all I'll say is, uh, well, first of all, thank you, Sergio. I mean, this is when when you are doing something uh, along the lines of what you're doing in terms of speaking to people who can tell their story and tell their truth. Um, it's helping people. So this is not a job, but it's a service. And so um, it's not even work for you. I mean, you when when you get more out it's of something. Fun. Oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> get more out of it than what you're trying to give to people. You know, you're in the right place. So this is a calling for you. So thank you for allowing me to be a part of your service and your ministry, if some people would say. Um, and you know, I, hopefully, you know, our, our message today helps somebody. And um, and I, I I hope that they watch it uh, at four, five, six, and eleven o'clock. I love the that's right check him out there he's there all the time thank you so much calvin have a great week everybody we'll see you next week if you loved what you heard in today's episode of game changers please subscribe and rate us the lessons and the stories in these podcasts are immensely valuable so i invite you to share them with a friend who needs to hear it you may end up being the game changer in their lives